Hey, this is Jeremy Isaacs, lead pastor of Generations Church, where we want to live like it matters. For more information about our church, you can visit us at g.church. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Thanks again for listening. I found fantastic today, and I say that some weeks, and some weeks I mean it, but you really... You really, really sound great today. You look great. Why don't you look to the person beside you and say, you look good today. Now look to the person that was your second choice and say, you look all right. You look all right. (laughs) Hey, I'm glad that you're here today. I'm thankful that on this last day of July, is that crazy to anybody else but me? Last day of July. Uh, I mean, man, I'm thankful that you chose to spend that day with us and part of that day with us, and we never take that for granted. And so uh, thanks for being here. It's a big day for our church. Our kids upstairs, it's Bump Up Sunday, so they're switching classes or switching environments, I guess, from the kids that were in preschool moving up maybe to the G Kids environment there. Some of our G Kids are moving up to the youth group officially and just a lot of different things there. So I'm thankful for all of our team members, Pastor Madeline and all of the incredible G team upstairs in our G Kids ministry and just what they do on a weekly basis. It's a special day for them. I think they got pancakes. If you don't have a kid, you can't go steal pancakes from the children, but they're having pancakes up there and having a big day. And then the other thing that we're doing uh, today at the end of our day is we're doing an event called Salsa with the Staff. And I told you a couple weeks ago, that's not like salsa. I don't really, I can't dance. Some of you can dance. I can't do it. Uh, But uh, we're, we're, we're actually just eating salsa and chips and guac and all kinds of stuff. Just with those that maybe are relatively new to the church, you should have gotten some invites but if you say, hey, I'm new to the church, but I'd love to just connect to the staff, Corey and I are just going to be hosting a little short time together just to get to know you, allow you to get to know us, and help you just to determine, like, is this a place for you? Is this a place that you should connect and land to be your church home? That's really what we want you to do. We don't want you just to visit. We don't want you just to kind of come when it's convenient. We want you to plug in here and give yourself uh, fully to this place, not because there's anything uniquely special about this place other than we believe that God has brought us together for an amazing purpose, and we want you to be a part of that. And so we'd love for you to come today to Salsa with the staff. It's after the 11 o'clock service, so maybe you can run, do something else, and come back, or you can hang around until that 11 o'clock service. It's going to be a really, really great time. You know, uh, next week we start a brand new series called Object Lessons. And I told you a few weeks ago when I was speaking that I am as excited about this series as I have been in a really long time for some of the things that we discuss together when we come together on Sundays. But this Object Lessons series is something different than we've ever done. Every week you're going to go home with something in your hand. There's, There's an object that you will take home. And so I really want you to come, and not just to come by yourself. I want you to bring your family. I want you to bring some friends with you, because I do believe that every week we're going to deal with something uh, unique in that Sunday that will perhaps challenge you throughout the week, something that you can kind of take with you that will be something that you can use all week long just to remember the things that you experienced when we were gathered together on Sunday. So I want you to be here for that Object Lesson series beginning next Sunday and just running through the month of August. And then, and then lastly... This past week, I had a really unique experience. Um, I went to the Church of God General Assembly in San Antonio, Texas. Uh, it was hot. Everybody just kept telling me it was a dry heat. I was like, well, my sweat's not dry. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was, it was hot. Uh, but it was, uh, it was just an incredible experience being together with uh, really the, the global church. They're, we're a part of a denomination and uh, we're a part of the Church of God denomination. There are 13 million members of us around the world. There are about 6,000 Church of God congregations in the United States, of which we are one. And in our North Georgia, the, the North Georgia region of the Church of God, which is kind of making up 
uh, there's about 275 congregations that are a part of the Church of God. And, and so I'm just thankful that this past week we, we got together, we elected leaders that will help to guide us over these next two years. We, we dealt with theology issues and, and, and doctrinal polity type of issues of how we, as a church, how we in, engage the culture that we're, we're in right now. And the way that the world continues to try to challenge the truth of Scripture, we, we debated that and discussed that and tried to determine as a church family, how do we continue to, to strive to honor God's word and the truth without compromise? And so we did that and just experienced some powerful times of worship. Each night we gathered together, and several thousand people gathered together for worship. And one of the most special times uh, was on the win- during the Wednesday night service, there was a, a couple that was speaking uh, from uh, Florida, and they, uh, they both are bilingual. And uh, so he would speak in English, and she would translate it into Spanish. But when he really got, got to going and he was preaching, he would switch from Spanish to English, and without missing a beat, she would just go from English to Spanish. I mean, it was powerful to watch. But he was telling a story about his, his dad growing up in Puerto Rico, and he talked about his dad was what he called you know, a nocturnal pharmacist. He was a drug dealer. And uh, he said the Lord really engaged him through some missionaries, Church of God missionaries, many, many years ago. And they were singing a song, and I didn't know the song because he said it in Spanish, and, and I, don't, I don't speak Spanish except for down the road at the Mexican restaurant. And so I, I, didn't, I didn't know what he was saying exactly, and they were starting to sing this song. And all of a sudden, throughout that entire auditorium, I mean, I don't want to exaggerate, at least hundreds, maybe thousands of voices in Spanish began to sing the song that his dad heard about four decades ago in Puerto Rico through the voices of some Church of God missionaries. It was a powerful moment to remind me, and I said this to our team this morning, to remind me that the family of God is a beautiful thing. Every church that you're ever going to attend, this one or any other, is imperfect because it's filled with people like us. But man, when you put our, ourselves, when you put us together, like every single church by itself can only accomplish so many things. But when you combine our efforts together, the church of God is in uh, doing ministry in 186 nations of the world currently. And when you give financially, you help us to be a part of that effort as we support missions and ministry in those places. But hearing those voices in another language lift up and lift high the name of Jesus was just a powerful reminder to me that what we do when we gather together on Sundays, it matters, and we're joining with the voices of all the saints around the world uh, just to celebrate and to worship God. You know, I'm not new to church. The thing that I say, whether it's true or not, I was told it was true from from an early age, but I I don't know because I was too young to remember. I was born on a Tuesday, and I was in church on Sunday. Anybody, that's kind of your story. Like, you've just been in church, you know, give or take all your life. Some of you are like, this is the first time I've ever been. Well, welcome to you. We're glad you're here. But I've been in church all of my life, and I grew up in church. My dad was my pastor. My mom and dad were in ministry, and uh, we we, we traveled together, and and we were the cliche. If you think this is a cliche, we were the cliche family that would sing together right before dad would preach, so they'd stand me up from three or four years old up on the little piano stool, and I'd sing along with my mom and my dad and my brother, and uh, we just, that's what we did. I remember one Sunday, we, uh, we had traveled to a place that was about three or four hours away from our house, and we sang, and Dad preached, and we got in the car, and we drove to another church that was about two hours away from there, and uh, we sang, and Dad preached, and we got back in the car, and we drove all the way back home to get ready for school the next morning, but we fell asleep in the car on the way home, and my mom and Dad were waking us up as we got back to the house, and my brother, who's two years younger than me, he's a pastor in Louisville, Kentucky, and uh, as they were waking Jason up, he said, no more Jesus today. No more Jesus. <laughs> you know, it was a lot. It was a lot on those Sundays. But, 
I remember the youth group that I grew up in. I was 13 years old, and we had recently moved to Tennessee, and uh, we, we, we did all these various events in our youth group, and one of them that we did required the youth pastor to pick one or two students to kind of give their testimony, to tell their story of faith. And so my youth pastor looked at me and said, Jeremy, can you share? And I was like, sure. He was, I said, well, you know, when do I do it? He said, in about 20 minutes. And I was like, okay, thanks for the, the heads up. You know, I got a lot of time to prep. So I started thinking about what it was that I would share. Now, over the next couple of months, some of my friends would make fun of me because I had the opportunity to share in several different settings. And I always reverted back to this text that we're going to talk about today because it's one of my favorite texts in scripture But it's also something that's applicable if you are in church for the very first time in your whole life today, or if you have grown up in the church. It's applicable if you are 12 or 13, and today you graduated out of G-Kids into this environment for the first time, or if you have been in a church service for 80 years, it's still applicable to all of us. And this is found in the book of Matthew chapter 5. If you've got a Bible, I'd love for you to go with me. Matthew chapter 5, this is the beginning of the public ministry of Jesus right before the text that we're going to read is that part where he begins the Sermon on the Mount preaching about the Beatitudes. Blessed are those who, and he kind of talks about these things that are a little bit uh, a juxtaposition of each thing, and you're like, oh, I don't know what he means there, but it really talks about this upside-down nature of the kingdom of God. And so we read this in Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 13, where it says this, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, you've got to remember, we've, we've been all summer long talking about parables, these short stories of moral truths that Jesus would just kind of jump into a story to help tell this larger truth as he was preaching and teaching. Well, this is the beginning of his kind of first sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. And so what he's doing is he's, you know, he's teaching for really one of the first times, especially in this public setting. He sees the group of people, he goes up the mountain, and he begins to teach them about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of his father, the kingdom of heaven. And so he does so by really giving them these, these thoughts that, you know, blessed are the poor, It's like, well, no, the poor aren't blessed. They don't have a lot. Blessed are those who mourn. It's like, no, well, that doesn't make sense. They're they're not blessed. They're mourning. They're grieving right now. There's a lot of heaviness that they're facing. But he's talking about his nearness to them and his comfort to them and how he's with them and how they'll be called the sons and daughters of God and all of these various things. And so you got to imagine that the people that are standing there listening to him teach are like, who is this guy? What is this guy even talking about? I I don't understand what he's saying. Now, you got to remember, Jesus' public ministry started at 30 years old. And he was in ministry in the public eye for three years. But he had lived 30 years up to that point. So what had he been doing? He had been interning under his father as a carpenter. So some of these people would have known that this was like the apprentice carpenter when they start listening to him teach these lessons from Scripture. And no doubt they're like, this guy... He's crazy. I think he's inhaled some of that sawdust or something. I don't know what he's, what he's thinking here. And then all of a sudden, he flips from blessed, you know, blessed when you're persecuted because you're not the only ones who have ever been persecuted. And you know, if you've been persecuted, so were the prophets of old. And so they're like, wow, okay, blessed when I'm persecuted, blessed when people come at me. And then he just flips towards something else. He says, hey, you are salt. What? Yeah, yeah, you're the salt. You're the salt on the earth, and you're, you're the light of the world. 
So the idea here of what he's trying to describe to them is that it's something that they would not have necessarily been taught. Because up to that time, most of the teachers and the rabbis and the people that were presenting religious thought to them were teaching them the law. It was the good and the bad. It's here's how you stay in right standing with God, and here's how you get out of right standing. you got to offer these certain sacrifices and these certain things, and here's what you do and don't do, and here's how many days you got to stay outside the city, and here's how many days you're clean and unclean. And he's presenting these novel ideas to them. But the idea that they were salt or the idea that they were light, they were used in other places in Scripture. So he wasn't just making this up for the first time. There were a lot of different places where salt is an image that we see and light is an image that we see. So as I was trying to think through all of these things, we're going to hit a few of those, but like, what is the primary purpose of salt? Like if we're going to start, like what might Jesus have been talking about? Well, you, you probably understand if you go to lunch today, you may throw a little salt on whatever it is that they serve you. I'm not a big salt guy. So, I mean, I don't, I don't usually add a lot of salt to whatever they give me. I'm like, yeah, that's probably fine. And so I don't add a lot of salt. Some of you, you're just opening the lid. I mean, you're just, right? You're just pouring it on. But salt adds flavor, right? Corey and I love to watch cooking shows. We really love to watch like competition cooking shows. I think she likes the cooking part. I like the competition part. But we watch those and almost every round when they present a dish to the judge, I can't remember a round where we've watched that they didn't say like, hey, you know, it's missing a little salt. It needs a little more salt. What is he saying? Hey, it needs a little more flavor. And it's not just the salt that provides the flavor. Salt actually accentuates the flavors that are within it. It kind of draws out and brings up the flavors that exist within that dish. The other thing that salt did, especially in that day and time, before we had freezers and refrigerators and things, salt was used as a, as a means of preservation, You would take the meat that you had and you would just kind of cover it in salt and so you could hang it in a certain place and that salt would protect it, it would preserve it. And so when you start thinking about what Jesus might have been saying to this group of people and perhaps what this truth would speak to all of us is that you are the flavor of the earth. You and I that are Christ followers, if that's what you might call yourself today and identify as today as a Christ follower, you are the flavor. We are the flavor of the earth. We have to give the flavor of the truth of God to every relationship of our lives. It's our job to add something, to accentuate what's there, to find the people around us that life is beating them down, that life's pushing them down, the heaviness of the circumstances that they're facing right now. It's just kind of pushing them down. It's kind of the gravity of life to provide a little levity, to kind of lift them up, to call them higher, to call out the potential that's in them, to say, I want to I accentuate what's already inside of you with the flavor of God, to call out the purpose that God uniquely created in your life. You were created on purpose for a purpose. And I want, you to help, I want to help you find that. There's goodness in you. There's greatness in you. Man, if that just became the way that we lived our life, I think it would change every conversation we're a part of. If we were just looking for something to brag on the other person about. Because everybody wants to be bragged on. Everybody wants to feel like they're doing a good job. Everybody wants to be affirmed. But so many people in this world, including some of us, if we're honest, it's hard for us to raise other people up because it feels like we're pushing ourselves down. But man, if we just became people that just kind of added some salt flavor to every conversation, everybody we interacted with, we just complimented them, affirmed them through the grace of God, through the love of God, through the mercy of God, we took what had been given to us and we gave it freely to someone else. How different would it change the circumstances of our lives and the conversations of our lives? The other thing is preservation. Obviously, what we believe, I talked about this a few weeks ago, you can go back and catch up. But I talked about there is a judgment coming. We don't love to talk about that. We don't love to focus on that, but there is a judgment coming. But here's what I know. You're not the judge, and neither am I. There is one judge. And so our job is to present the truth 
to do so in a loving, compassionate way, to speak the truth and do it in love, to be the embodiment of the grace and truth that was embodied in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and to be able to present the salt that we have, the salt of truth, the salt of our lives, what's been placed on the inside of us, and to give that away freely. In the Old Testament, salt was referenced as a part of covenant relationships in a couple of places. It was added to covenant relationships. It was talked about as the salt covenant in Leviticus chapter 2. We talk about the salt being added to the sacrifices that you were offering, sometimes grain offerings, sometimes meat sacrifices. Numbers chapter 18, it's also used there as a part of understanding the people of God and the way that salt could be used in that relationship, that covenant between God and man. But it wasn't like it was today. Like you couldn't just run to Publix and just pick up more salt. Like salt is this, is this mineral. It was something that wasn't as readily available. It had to be, it had to be kind of discovered and brought. And so it was, a, it was a commodity. You had to trade for it. You had to purchase it. And it was pretty expensive. So when Jesus describes us as salt, we're the salt of the earth, he wasn't just saying like, hey, you're common. You're just on aisle seven at Publix or Walmart or Target. He said, no, no, you're valuable. There's something in you that I see. There's something that's precious about you. You are expensive. And if you don't believe that, what we've been singing about and what we've been praying about today is this, that God values you at the cost of his son, Jesus. God values you at the cost of his son, Jesus. If you're all ever wondering, like, how valuable am I? What do I have to offer? God thought you were so valuable that he sent Jesus to pay for you. That's the commodity price. That's what he says about your value. And so when Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth, it's a little different. Anybody ever heard this phrase? Like, oh, they're just salt of the earth people. Anybody ever heard that? No, you didn't grow up with me? Okay, great. Well, where I grew up, they would refer to good folks like salt of the earth folks. Like, that was a good guy. You could trust that guy. Oh, he's not pretentious. He's not pretentious. He doesn't, he doesn't put on airs. Some of you are like, I don't even know what you're saying right now. But like, he's just good salt of the earth folk, Right? Well, that's not what Jesus was saying here. He was saying that you have a responsibility. You have an opportunity to take what's been invested in you and to flavor the conversations and to flavor the world around us. Salt is used in a couple other places. Mark chapter 9, one of the other gospel accounts, verses 49 and 50 says this, everyone will be salted with fire or seasoned with fire. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? Have salt among yourselves and be at peace with each other. Now, maybe you're like, salted with fire, what? Seasoned with fire? What are we talking, don't, I don't think I like where that might be headed here. Well, the fire here could be interpreted one of two ways. One, it could be that living sacrifice, offering yourself as that living sacrifice that we read about in Romans chapter 12, which then connects to Leviticus chapter two, where we would be salted as we're presented to God as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to him. And so this idea that we're being refined in sacrificing ourselves just every single day, kind of killing off the parts of ourselves, uh, the, the flesh sinful nature of ourselves and offering ourselves as a living sacrifice. I said to Corey last night, I was like, I'm, I'm trying, I'm working. The Lord's helping me in this one area as I try to kind of work through what God is forming me and shaping me in. And every time when I react this way or I think this way, like it's something the Lord's still working on in me. Like there is this idea that every single day you got to wake up and it's this daily process of more and more being refined and transformed into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. And so maybe that's a part of another translation, another interpretation that we read as we kind of study scripture here is that perhaps it's the work of the Holy Spirit, that those cloven tongues of fire that descended in Acts chapter two, the work of the Holy Spirit, that he is molding us and shaping us. So we're seasoned by, we're salted by the fire of God, the Holy Spirit of God. 
and you're like, man, I don't understand all this language. Here's what you need to know. You don't just get saved to stay where you are. God loves you wherever you are, but he loves you too much to let you stay there. And so you can get saved and pray a prayer from wherever you are on this spiritual continuum. But then he asks us to continue to take steps in growth and relationship to more and more reflect the image of his son, Jesus Christ. And so we are molded and shaped, kind of like the blacksmiths do as they, as they work and refine. Maybe like those glass blowers do that I see these, in these pictures and video. I mean, it's amazing. They just take fire, and, and as they get it hot enough, they're able to mold and transform it into the image, into the, the picture of what it is that they're trying to create. That's the same work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, to conform us, to shape us. But he also said, I don't know if you caught this at the end of verse 50, He said, have salt among yourselves, season it, flavor the conversations and relationships, and be at peace with each other. You ever ever had something that had way too much salt in it? It's like, whew, I mean, that's, did the lid fall off accidentally as you were pouring it into the pot? I mean, that is, that's some bitter salt, right? I mean, it just, it's no longer flavorful. It doesn't taste like it's supposed to taste. Now all you taste is the bitterness of the salt, Colossians chapter 4. Verse 5 and 6 says, Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt. Some of us are truthers. Some of us are gracers. Gracers sometimes let people get away with things that are contrary to God's word. Truthers sometimes bash people's head in to prove a point. They're both wrong. Both wrong. Jesus came to the earth in the embodiment of grace and truth. He wasn't 50% one and 50% the other. He was 100% truth. He never shied away from truth. And 100% grace all at the same time. And you and I are not the son of God. And so we have to every single day work to try to figure out how do we embody the extreme measure of both, to never compromise truth, but never lower grace. In every conversation, let it be full of grace, seasoned with salt, engaging people with the grace and truth of Jesus Christ. How often, probably far too often, Have our conversations lacked the kind of salt that it's talking about here, lacked the grace that helps people to see Christ in our conversation and the words that we use? I mean, we just pour so much salt on them that they're drowning in truth and drowning. It's like, I wasn't even ready for it. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm not even sure. I haven't even engaged Christ in any form yet. And we're just salt, 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 salt. And sometimes we don't give any salt. We just want to grace and love people to death. No, we season it. Conversation full of grace, engaging people. We just get on Facebook and bash that other group of people out there somewhere, whoever they are. They are not a they. They're a person with a name. And God loves them too. And Christ died for them too. And the quicker that we can get away from labeling and categorizing they and make it about the person right in front of us, it changes everything. It changes everything. So we're called to be salt We have a job to present God to the world. The way that we live and the way that we talk and the way that we act, it matters. We say here on a pretty regular basis that we're called to live like it matters because it does matter. How you work matters. How you parent matters. How you are married matters. It matters because you're salt 
We're supposed to give flavor to the earth. People should engage us. And when they walk away from conversations with us on the job site or out in the community, when waiters and waitresses leave our table, they should actually feel something different about our table than the other tables that day. They should sense something different about the conversations on, in our cul-de-sac than the ones they have as they keep walking down the street because there's something different about the flavor of our lives as we center our lives on the person of Jesus Christ. It matters how we live. But he didn't just stop there. He said, you are the light of the world. What did he say? Throw that back up on the screen for me, guys. You're the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Light is also used throughout the Bible. Jesus is referred to as light. It was the light of fire that directed the children of Israel out in the wilderness. It was the word that is the lamp or light to our feet as it guides our path and guides our step. God is referred to as light. His word is referred to as light. Faith is referred to as light. Holiness and being set apart is often referred to as light. So this was not a novel idea. But as he challenges us to be the light of the world, there are two possible outcomes that we see right here in this passage of scripture that we often do. And I'm not preaching at you. I am as guilty of this as anybody in the room. There's two possible ways that we misuse the light that we're called to be in the world. The first is that we do what it said. It says no one takes a light and puts it under a bowl, to which I would say, yeah, some of us do. Some of us do. We, we do that. I do that. I get in certain situations and certain conversations and certain places, and I kind of hide the light of Christ in my life. If you've ever been listening to worship music and you roll the window down to pick up your fast food, anybody that eats fast food, I mean, we've done it once or twice, but like you just roll the window down, you roll, turn the music down, you don't want you don't, you know, to be a distraction what you're listening to. And, have conversations with people and you're, you're, you're sitting there reading your Bible, you're talking. I was on a, an airplane a while back and I was reading the Bible. Somebody leans over and says, oh, I see you're reading the Bible. And I was like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. They were like, oh, that's awesome. They were like, what do you do for a living? Well, that's the answer that always shuts her down. I mean, we are just, as soon as I say preacher, they're like, oh, that's great, that's great, that's great. Okay, and then they do something else. They forget how to speak English or something. It's like, okay, so here's what I normally answer. You can judge me if you want to. I normally say, hey, I'm a motivational speaker one day a week. Like, I don't know how to answer that question to not shut it down. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was playing golf one time. They paired this guy up with me. He cussed up a storm the first four or five holes. And then we're sitting there waiting on like the sixth hole. And he's like, so what do you do for a living? I'm like, well, I'm a pastor and I'm judging you a lot, right? No, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. But I did say I was a pastor. And he's like, I'm so sorry, Father. I, I didn't know I was, you know. I mean, he was the embodiment of, of just sanctification the rest of that. Right? I don't know. But like sometimes we, we do. What do we do? We hide it under a bowl. We put it away. We don't want people to see it. No, we don't, we don't want if they ask us questions and we don't have the answer to those questions, like, what are we going to say? It's like, well, what kind of light am I? They asked me a simple biblical question and I didn't even know the answer. So I'm just going to, you know, I'm, I'm going to keep studying and learning and growing and I'm going to figure it out. And then, and then I'll shine that light when I've got all the answers. We hide it. We're afraid people will get upset about it. In this day and age, man, people will judge you and challenge you. And I understand. But he says, no, 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 no one. It's supposed to take the light and hide it. You shine it. You show it. You let people see that there's something on the inside of you that they may need, they may desire. 
The second thing that we do perhaps to misuse what he's asking, we don't use it correctly. Right? We, 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 don't, we don't use that light correctly. We only use it in places where perhaps it wouldn't be helpful. If you got a cell phone, I want you to take your cell phone out real quick. I'm not judging you. Some of you are on Facebook right now. I, uh, I want you to take your cell phone out, and I want you to turn your flashlight on. If you have a flashlight, I just want you to turn it on, okay? I'm turning mine on. I may have to have my kids come help me, but I'm turning my flashlight on, right? Just shine that flashlight. Just shine it. You got, you got a light, and oh, this is awesome. Way to go. You're shining your light. You're shining it. This is great. This is what we're supposed to do, right? Shine our light. Here's the problem. Here's the challenge, When you only shine your light in a room that's already well lit, it is not as effective. Like when you're just shining your light on Sunday morning from 9.30 to 10.30, that's awesome. God's not displeased with you. But like if this is the only time you shine your light, it's like, okay, I mean, thanks for that. But we kind of already saw the light. We've been singing. We went to scripture. We we know truth and we're exposing ourselves to like, okay, well, great job. I'm not mad at you. God's not mad at you. But like if this is the only time that you are shining the light that he called each of us to be, we're kind of missing it, aren't we? Like there's a little more that we're called to do and to be, all right, everybody turn your flashlights off. Turn your flashlights off. Everybody turn your light off. Some of you just realized you don't know how to turn your flashlight off. Right? There's a whole different thing happening when there's a light shining in darkness, right? I mean, like what would happen is that we would actually be able to get out of here and see our way out of the darkness. We we, we could actually help other people find their way out of the darkness because of the light shining in the darkness. All right, you can turn the light back back on for me, guys. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says this, But you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. He says, you're the light of the world. He says, like, if you shine your light through good deeds and the way that you live and the way that you conduct yourself in the midst of darkness... People are going to see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Like they're going to follow you out of the darkness toward the light. You're not the light. I'm not the light. He is the light. We're going to point people to him. It makes a difference where we shine our light. And I recognize it's a little uncomfortable sometimes. It's a little difficult to think, I don't know. I mean, again, what if they ask me a question? What if I, I don't want to be one of those guys? I don't want to stand out. I don't want to. He didn't give us an out. He just says you're salt, flavor, every conversation and relationship around you. He says you're the light of the world. Shine it in the darkest places that you can find to expose people to truth. And as you do, they will glorify your Father. They will actually follow you out of darkness into his wonderful, glorious light. That's what we're called to do. You and I can't change the world by ourselves. But in every conversation, if we flavor it, if in every place that we find darkness, we end the loving, gracious, merciful, compassionate way that we see embodied in our Savior, 
We just shine the light of truth. We just shine the light of truth. We never turn it off. We never hide it. We just shine the light of truth. We shine the light of truth. Expose people to grace and mercy and love and forgiveness. Shine the light of truth. We never shy away from truth. 100% truth, 100% grace embodied in the person of Jesus Christ. We just shine the light of truth every time we possibly can. It matters. We live like it matters because it does. Just a moment, not yet, but in just a moment, we're going to pray for our students that are going back into these classrooms. We're going to pray over teachers and faculty members and we're going to pray for those that drive buses and serve lunches. We're going to pray for homeschool moms and dads that are educating their children within their home. We're going, to, we're going to pray for everybody that's going into a new school year beginning tomorrow over the next few days. That wherever they find darkness, they shine light there. Wherever there's a place that they can flavor conversation with the gifts of God that have been placed on the inside of them, that they would do so through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit of God. You can make a difference. You can make a difference one relationship at a time, one classroom at a time. But before we get to that moment, I just want us to all pray, respond in what we've heard today. And perhaps you would say to me, Jeremy, for me, I need to ask him to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I don't actually have any light source for myself because I've never received the light of God. I've never responded to him. Or maybe I did, but it was a long time ago. And I've done my very best to walk away as far away as I could. I want to recommit my life to him. In just a minute, we're going to give you the chance to respond. And maybe for others of us that say, hey, I want, to, I want to shine my light. I want to flavor conversations in a better way to glorify God. I'm going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. Nobody's looking around. And if that's you and you would say, Jeremy, for me, I need to accept Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of my life. If that's you, would you just lift your hand right where you're at? Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Anybody else? And now if you would say to me, Jeremy, for me, I just, I want to be the light of the world. I want to be the salt of the earth that I'm called to be. If that's you, would you just lift your hand right where you're at? Thank you so much, so many of us today. God, we love you and we thank you for every person in this place, every person watching online. God, I thank you for those that are making decisions today to follow you, to accept you as the Lord and Savior of their life. God, we celebrate with heaven for those that have made that decision today. God, now I pray for those who are responding to say, I want to be the light of the world. I want to shine my light. I don't want to hide it. I don't want to misuse it. I don't want to just shine it when I'm in a room filled with other lights. I want to make sure that I honor God, shining my light into the darkness, leading people toward him. God, would you help us to do that, empower us to do that, give us confidence and boldness and wisdom to do that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. I'm going to ask all of our students that are in the room, all of our G kids that they just brought down from upstairs, all of our students, middle school, high school, college, if there's a grade schooler in the room that wasn't upstairs, and if you are in any way connected to education, you're a faculty member, administrative member, you guys can come on up front, you're a teacher, you're a homeschool mom or dad, if you are involved in educating the next generation in any form, I want you guys to come forward as well. Come on down, come on down, come on down, all of our students, all of our teachers, Everybody that's involved, I want you guys to come on down. You can look at me. You can just face me for a second. I'm going to let you turn around and let these folks see how good looking you are. But everybody look at me for just a minute. Come on in. You guys can kind of fill in right here in the middle. There you go. Good job. Good job. Good job. Why don't you guys move this way just a little bit? All the ones from the wings just kind of fill in right here towards the middle. Just slide this way. Yep. All right. Slide this way. Okay. All right. Good stuff. There we go. Good stuff. Let me say to all of our students of any age, if you're in the room, we are so proud of you. 
we're so proud of you. We love you so much. We're thankful for who you are, the unique gifts that God has placed inside of you. It's not by accident that you are here today. It's not by accident that you're part of this church family, that you're a part of the family that you're in. And we want you to know that we've got your back. We've got your back. As you walk into school tomorrow or the next few days or the next few weeks, as you get ready and get prepared for whatever school looks like in the coming days, the coming weeks, I just want you to know we, we got your back. We're praying for you. We believe in you. And we believe this could be the best school year you've ever had. We really believe that. And if you need anything from us at all, you don't hesitate to reach out. You talk to your parents. You come to Pastor Madeline or Pastor Carson or somebody on staff here. Like, you come talk to us, and we'll help you with anything that we can help you with, okay? If you're a teacher, you work in the schools, you work in the house to educate your children, first of all, because I'll forget to say this in a minute, we've got a gift for you today. I don't know where those are at. I'm assuming in the lobby somewhere. Yep, okay, they're, telling, they're in the lobby. So on your way out today, make sure you grab those. But we want you to know we got your back. We're proud of you. We're thankful for you. We believe that God is going to use you to speak life into some folks that they just need to have some positive affirmation. They just need some folks to believe in them. John Maxwell says that students, young people, they flock to the oldest person that takes them seriously. And we want you to take them seriously and just love on them with the love of Christ and empower them, educate them, and send them on to the next step of their journey. But we love you and we're thankful for you. Here's what I'm gonna ask you to do if you're in the room. Why don't you stand with me? And I want you just to stretch your hands this way as we pray over these students and those that are in education. We wanna pray that God would let this be the best school year yet, but God would use them in powerful ways. Can we pray? God, we love you. And we thank you for these incredible students from the youngest to the oldest, those in pre-K and kindergarten and grade school and middle school and high school, those that may be going into college. Lord, we just pray right now that you would guide them and lead them. God, that you've captured their heart, you would continue to capture their heart. And as they chase after you and pursue you, that God, they would carry you with them into those classrooms and into those schools. And God, I just pray right now that you would give them the wisdom, the supernatural wisdom from above that, God, you would help them to learn every lesson they're supposed to learn, but, God, that you would help them in relationships. Give them good friends that would help them to strive for the things that they need to be striving for. God, we just pray that you would connect them, link them up with some folks that are headed the same direction that they are. And, God, we pray against the enemy and every tactic of the enemy to chase after, to steal, kill, and destroy the next generation. God, we stand in the gap. We've got their back. We are shoulder to shoulder here at Generations Church protecting the next generation. And so, God, we pray your hand of protection around them. I pray for every educator. God, I pray for everyone that will fill a classroom, everyone that will serve a lunch, everyone that will float in and out of classrooms, everyone that will make decisions and administrative function, every homeschool parent. God, we pray right now that you would guide their words. You would help them to speak life out of the power of the tongue that you talk about. God, help them to do everything that's necessary as a part of their job. But God, also let them be a, a great citizen of the kingdom of God, speaking life and truth everywhere that they possibly can. We pray that you would empower them and strengthen them. And God, we thank you for everything that you will accomplish in the coming school year. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen and amen. Can we give a hand to all of our students and educators as you guys are heading back? Thanks again for listening. If today's message was an encouragement to you, we invite you to share it with your friends and family. Maybe subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It just helps us spread the word about what God's doing here at Generations Church. For more information about the church, visit us at g.church. Have a great day, and God bless.